Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. Okay. You ready? You ready? ready? I'm ready. Drum roll, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't don't use that on the on the podcast. Man. Welcome okay. in, everyone. <laughs> I'm Dr. Bob. <laughs> Okay, I gotta put that on the page. No, but seriously, I was just listening to Numacockle episode, yeah. and I cannot believe like you kept your you kept a part in there where you were like clearing your throat, and then you're like, "Oh, that's okay, we'll edit this out." And, and then, but it's still in there. <laughs> like, why would you leave that in there? You're like, well, <laughs> so well, it's real. I mean, it's it's real life. Really unnecessary. I mean, no. <laughs> No, I, mean, I, like, I think no. The that? listeners want to know, like, what is Do it they? like to sit in the room with Doctor Bob and listen to him? Are you that podcast? famous? Really? Yes. Are you that famous? People want to know. Come on, everyone. Yeah, show me like your blue hearts or pink stars on the screen. If, <laughs> blue hearts. If you want to know. Oh wait, blue we're not. Thumbs up. We're not Facebooking live heart. this time, so there's no instant feedback. Anyway, like in one of those okay. like tabloid magazines, like Doctor Bob is just like us. He clears his throat when he eats snacks. <laughs> he takes out okay. the trash. <laughs> Have you okay. seen those magazines? Like, no, I have. They'll have like celebrities like taking out their trash. They'll be like, "Stars are just like us." Wow, okay. it's so right. silly how right. celebrity culture has gotten. Someday I might be a star. We'll see. Oh, lordy, lordy. Okay, well, I'm um, going to start the podcast for real okay, now. Go. Right? Okay, ready? Go. When you open the door for somebody else. Welcome in, everybody, to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. We're very happy to be back. It's been a couple weeks for us, I think, hasn't it? Has it again? Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, although, you, I don't know, you guys probably don't really even know when we record these things, but they're... Well, also, I feel like there's so much happening, like, on our own Facebook pages and posting on Media Education mm-hmm. Group that, like, it feels like the sources, constant sources of information are consistent. So even if we aren't, you know, here for a couple weeks before we're recording, there's still so much happening yeah, that, yeah. and we're still interacting with so many people about all these issues that it kind of feels like... Um, it's ongoing, and we're yeah. and we're not ever stopping. Right. Uh, there's too much. I mean, gosh, right. this seriously, this last several months has just been very story heavy. Yeah, I feel like we could almost do a little news story every single day, but know. you know, we're not going to drive in here every single day to do. Yeah, this. You're right about that. Um, hey, good news! What exciting news? And this, I will. Everyone can thank uh, Melissa for doing this work. We have posted resources to our podcasts. You guys asked us to, you know, is there a way we can, you know, have links to every single study we talk about and in every single episode? And I kind of thought it was too much work, but Melissa went and did the first 10 episodes. First 10 episodes. I'll do a little bit at a time because it's hard to go back through the notes. If anyone's seen my huge white binder full of information, it's like I print out studies. I don't keep them accessible as links because I like to read them hard copies. And that's where I go through. I make notes. And so after that, once we're done, I put it in the binder and it's kind of, it's released, right? But then I get all these messages like, oh, do you happen to have your source? Yeah, where's that study? What was that study? And even though we mention them and we give the full title, like- Tell you to pause the podcast and go find the study. By we, you mean you. Yeah. Does anyone do that? I wonder. Send me a comment. Let I, me know. Hopefully not when they're driving or something. Okay. Listening to this, that's not smart. Right. Right. But exactly. yeah. So there's a page on immunityeducationgroup.org website where you click on podcast. Correct. Listen to our podcast, and if you scroll down on that page, you will see the links for the first ten episodes, and we'll continue to update that and add as we go. Um, and you can also find it on our Facebook page, Immunity Education Group. Uh, the blog uh, 
or the face, no, the podcast blog is, um, sorry, <laughs> the podcast post is pinned to the top of oh, our so, Facebook page. Okay, so in other words, right. the Immunity Education Group Facebook page pinned post. Yes, there you go. That's all okay. you had to say. So if you go there, then we've, we have, uh, we have uh, put all the links in, in that comment to this. And the third place you can find it is uh, Matt is now putting each of these links. Um, uh, Matt, One link, right? One link to the source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt is putting a, like a tiny URL link to this resource page on the intro information for each podcast episode. Yeah. For yeah each for each, episode. Like if, if you're on your phone and you have your, uh, and you have your, um, I don't know, like you're li- listening to your podcast and you scroll down, you see our intro. It says what the podcast is about. Then you see the bottom of that. You will see a tiny URL a link and that will take you straight to our resource page. So you can actually do this now on your, on your, so you essentially know, we're doing a lot more and, extra work for right. you to make right. it easier to access. And, and the reason I think that's important is because I 100% stand by every single thing that we've said on this podcast as being completely true, verifiable, you know, sourced, cited, always coming from something official outside of if we say it's our opinion on something. But outside of that, like everything has a place that's been from, you know, is a documented source. And that's important because when we do get the one-star reviews from certain people that might say misinformation, that's implying that what we're saying here is not true or factual or accurate. And the reality is everything that we're saying is true. Now, it might not match up to the narrative that we've been told. And if that's what, you know, defines it as misinformation, then that's just erroneous in itself. Right. But that's not, we're not giving misinformation. Nothing that we have are saying, nothing that we're saying is a manipulation of the truth, or we're not handwriting in and filling in blanks for things that aren't there. We're literally reporting, essentially, the information that we've come across. Yeah. And I I would say everything that's labeled as misinformation is is actually, to me, is true information. It's just uh, the establishment disagrees with someone's conclusions or someone's maybe advice that they're giving based on the data. That's what everyone, that's what the, you know, the mainstream uh, people are disagreeing with. And, and that's really what they're, what to them is misinformation. But you're right. All the data we use is the same data they use. And we just maybe come to different conclusions or are willing to give you more information. They should call it yeah. more information. Instead of mis. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't yeah. think that they're disagreeing with what we're saying. I actually think they just don't want everyone else to know what we're saying. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. something very yeah. different there. Yeah. Like, they they have well, to well, agree well, with no. it because it's a fact. No, no they're, no, they're disagreeing because they're saying, yeah, even though you're right about all those risks – Everyone still needs to vaccinate. And because you guys, uh, some of you are not agreeing to vaccinate, we have the right to mandate them. You know, that to me, that that's so I think they they kind of uh, are disagreeing with us in 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 that respect. But I think they're disagreeing with our desire for transparency. Yeah, like you know, they're they dis- they're right. disagreeing with the right. fact that we yeah. want the whole story told to everyone. Yeah, because if everyone hears the whole story, they're less compliant. They can't disagree right. with the fact that pertussis <clears throat> is also spread by vaccinated people. They can't disagree with that. Right. That's a fact. They have to agree with it because it's a fact. They disagree with the fact that we are sharing that information because it could yeah. per- potentially lead to somebody in their mind, yeah. not complying. So they're disagreeing with us not complying yeah. and, and, and perhaps, you know, awakening other people to the fact that there is some 
shady stuff going yeah. on. And so I don't feel like, so they're not disagreeing with the information, essentially. I think yeah. they're just disagreeing with the fact that this leads, this could lead somebody on a path of non-compliance. Right. And that doesn't go along with what their goal is. Exactly. But the facts still remain to be facts. Yep. Hashtag facts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But you wanted to, to, uh, to talk about yeah. pertussis. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so um, well, to, I guess I just want to give a really brief update about pertussis because there are three news items going around um, regarding pertussis right now, and uh, I think the the first news item was a um, uh, a study put out by Dr. Cherry from UCLA, and this was put out about a month ago. And the study, you know, we'll give you the link now, so we don't <laughs> have to read the study title, but I will anyway. It's the 112-year odyssey of pertussis and pertussis vaccines, mistakes made and implications for the future. And uh, Dr. Cherry is a, I think if anyone had to pick the most respected pediatric infectious disease expert in the nation, I think all doctors would agree it's Dr. Cherry. Hmm. He is by far uh, the most experienced, uh, very well respected, very well published. And um, you said he's from UCLA. Oh, yeah. How funny is that? Someone <laughs> here also went to UCLA. I know that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to read you the you know the, the whole abstract, but his basically he says the original vaccine we used to use the whole cell really helped us reduce pertussis. And when we took almost out almost all the pertussis ingredients out of that vaccine and made it the acellular vaccine, it's not working nearly as well. But what he's saying is uh, it actually will make you more susceptible to catching pertussis or whooping cough for the entire rest of your life. Mm. And, and that's how he concludes the abstract. He says... All children who are given the DTAP vaccines will be more susceptible to pertussis throughout their lifetimes. And there's no easy way to decrease this increased lifetime susceptibility. He says this happens because of something called linked epitope suppression. Uh, linked epitope suppression. I had to call uh, Hector and ask him what that even means. And I had to ask a few other people what that means. And Essentially, and I, I will admit I still don't understand it, but I'm going to try to explain it in, in two sentences. Our immune system, when we get the acellular vaccine and our immune system re- reacts to uh, the components of the, that acellular vaccine, um, our immune system creates antibody, creates an effect that somehow if we ever see the real germ later, um, we will not recognize that germ as well. Like our own, own immune system is is suppressing and covering up certain parts of that germ so our immune system won't see it. And so it'll infect us even more. So we we that, won't launch a, a natural immune response. That humoral immunity, that idea of memory, antibody memory immunity is not... Right, right, yeah. Well. I, I forget. To, I forget exactly how how it's not working well. Because um, if you're not but, recognizing it again when it comes into contact, then the humoral immunity, which is what vaccines are supposed to be inducing, right, right. Uh, to to so that when the germ comes again, your body goes, "Oh, we've seen this before, and let's you know mount our attack before it happens." But it's that's not happening. Ex- exactly. It's not and, allowing and, yeah, and it's it's pretty complicated. But the end result is. Yeah, for a brief period of time, this vaccine might give you some 
immune response if you catch the germs. But as the vaccine wears off and you and you lose those those vaccine antibodies, then the whole rest of your immune system that's supposed to hopefully react to disease later will be impaired. And this ten is, years later, t- twenty years later, and he says there's no way to fix that. Right, we, we've like is, permanently made everybody more susceptible to this with six doses disease. by the right. time you're twelve. Exactly. But is this not true of the whole cell? Right. So I think when you get the when you got the whole cell vaccine. Um, you just generated such a such a more global immune response and a better immune response that I think it did not have that effect. Uh, and and so what I worry about is they might be using this. Well, well, I, actually, I'll continue on to I, I guess ahead. the the next story, the next part of this uh, story uh, or news on uh, whooping cough is whooping cough is mutating, and there's a study put out by the CDC called Genomic Survey of Bordetella pertussis diversity, United States, 2000 to 2013. The CDC basically took a bunch of whooping cough samples from all over the country over over 13 years, and they examined the genetics. And they basically found that the new whooping cough germs, in fact, they found the majority of the whooping cough germs now are deficient in the pertactin protein. The whooping cough germ has, has a lot of protein surrounding it, and the pertactin protein is one of the things that the vaccine attacks and gives you immunity to. So now pertussis germs aren't making pertactin protein to cover themselves. So now when when we get the, the vaccine and the vaccine creates antibodies against pertactin pertussis protein, pertussis germs don't have it anymore, so the immune system isn't working against that, per, that part of the pertussis. Pertussis germs. Does that make sense? It does. Make sense. So it oh, makes amazing. a lot of sense, right. Dr. Bob. So um and and the study says that's a likely cause of the increase and the waning of uh, increase of disease mm-hmm. and the waning protection. Um and we, we know when we use like antibiotics and we mm-hmm. pressure germs with antibiotics, antibi- germs mutate. mutate right. So the antibiotics no longer work. And and we've seen mutating uh, other mutating germs from vaccines. So the, the, it's possible that that the presence of our, our species having antibodies against pertactin is stimulating the pertussis germs to stop making pertactin so the vaccine won't work as well. And And I love this. I love this. I mean – you can imagine what the CDC is going to recommend, despite this defect, mm. and the despite, despite the Dr. They'll Cherry say more found, doses, right? yeah, yeah, the, doses. The, Dr. Cherry found this might actually be making you more susceptible the rest of your life. They say, although such recent genetic changes may be ascribed to vaccine-driven immune selection, comma, acellular pertussis vaccines remain effective. So even so, though they're mutating and even though the vaccine's not working, the vaccines still are effective. effective. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then they say, um, and, and the proportion of isolates that don't have the pertactin uh, proteins that started increasing rapidly begin, beginning in 2010. I don't know why it took so long for, you know, for the germ to, to mutate. but um, acellular vaccine has been used since 1997. <clears throat> Yeah, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. right? Right. So no, exactly, nineteen ninety-seven, okay, exa- <laughs> sir. I have done my research. Yes, I am not. Uh, well, I figure you, know, you weren't a doctor back then, oh, so I thought maybe. But I am one know. now. Yeah. So. But yeah, but that's very concerning, and and then we've seen a recent effect of of this. Why don't you talk? Well, about I mean, it's what's not even happened. recent, though. I mean, we look right. at when we were talking about the two thousand fifteen legislation. California had just had a large outbreak in 2014, and we looked at the state data and found out that really over 90% of the pediatric cases 
um, in California were already vaccinated. And I looked back at pertussis from 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And in every single one of those years in California's data, there were at least 92 to 95% vaccine rates for every single pertussis outbreak, even if it was thousands of cases. Like we're not talking just 10 cases, but in some cases, 9,000 cases. Right. Or, you know, close to 10,000 cases. And uh, and then recently, um, I posted about this at Harvard Westlake, which is a like, kind of like a preparatory high school. They have two campuses um, in LA County, and they have a ninety eight point six percent vaccine rate uh, coverage rate. So they have only eighteen students out of sixteen hundred that have medical exemptions. At first, there was an outbreak with 30 cases. Out of the 30 cases, 30 out of 30 were vaccinated. None of the of 18 cough, with whooping right? cough. Yeah, vaccinated for whooping cough, and the, and the outbreak is pertussis, um, whooping cough. And so then it spread to 50 cases. And then there were an additional 40 cases in the county. So out of all of L.A. County, this outbreak was 90 cases, and 90 out of 90 of them are vaccinated. Wow. Like, literally, so this is even higher than the 90%. We're talking about 100% of this outbreak is vaccinated. The 18 students with medical exemptions still are unaffected by pertussis when all of these other cases have come up. And so uh, this was covered in the LA Times. And um, they said... uh, Something that experts have been noticing is that immunity wanes quickly. So they start talking about immunity wanes. They even said waning immunity in a separate quote from Dr. Doctor, waning immunity is a, is a widely recognized truth. And what I think is so funny about that is if you ever talk about waning immunity in any of these social media conversations regarding vaccine mandates, people will completely uh, disagree with you. They will say that's not true. You know, vaccine immunity is forever. Or they might say, well, the pertussis doesn't last that long, but they don't realize how little protection that you get. And so what they said about the boosters, so uh, 98% of LA County for seventh grade has the booster for Tdap. And what they said about that booster is only 80% of those kids that get it will get any protection. So 20% get nothing. Right. And that protection only lasts one year. So not two to three. They actually said that once that booster comes at 12, the, the amount of protection is one year alone. Wow. Because a study like uh, five years ago, they, they found two to three years of protection. But this is specific you know, about the booster. So maybe right. the two to three is like No, younger. it was with the booster. No, it was oh. with the booster. Yeah. But, but so yeah, but then recently in one year. This is wow. literally one year and, not, and 20% won't get any protection from it. And so mm. the reason that we're seeing this, but then of course, what does it come down to? It goes... Even though immunity wanes, increasing coverage rates in the community would help prevent pertussis outbreaks. So we have a 98.6% vaccination rate in these two schools. We have over 98% in LA County for pertussis, 96% for kindergartners in LA County. It's already passed the quote unquote herd immunity model. And, And can I just say like, the herd immunity, the 95%, is really only supposed to be about measles. Right. It's never been attributed. And now I've seen it three times this week. One about chickenpox, now one about pertussis, where they say it needs to be at that 95%. You're like, oh, wait, wait a second. You're just taking this 95% for measles, and you're just attributing it to every single exactly. disease that, we're right. va- that we have vaccines for, which is dubious. 
That's a very dubious yes. practice because it's not factual. Now everybody is meant to believe that we need 95% coverage for all vaccines that are required in order for us to maintain, you know, quote unquote, herd immunity. But how much higher could they get? I mean, 98.6, like how much higher could they actually get? And, and you know, but uh, it's funny, I never see, uh, almost never see a medical professional or the, the CDC use pertussis as a vaccine that we need herd immunity for because all medical professionals know that vaccine doesn't give you herd immunity because it does not stop you from catching the disease and transmitting it to others in the first place. So I think it's mainly lay people that might try to claim in articles. Well, yeah. and by the way, the, the study about the year that you were, you know, for mm-hmm. immunity waning in a year right. is, is a Kaiser study. Okay. So I have right. a link to that um, okay. that we can include. But again, it just comes back to the fact that we still need, so it's a well-recognized phenomenon, waning immunity. However, um, they come back to, we still need to focus on making sure people don't have exemptions. Right. And you're, you're thinking right. it's such a small rate of people that have exemptions. Like in LA County, it's like, you know, less than 1% of people that have, yeah. I think it's 0.7% that have medical exemptions. Right. And of course, there are no other exemptions anymore. Right. And, right. and so what do they, what, what would they want? Well, well and so I think the, the new um, uh, study from Dr. Cherry mm-hmm. that, that literally shows this vaccine is going to make you more susceptible and we have no way to fix that. People can start using that and showing your legislators when they start when they try to pass mandatory vaccination laws. You know, everywhere where this is happening, Oregon, mm-hmm. Washington, and and the other states, you know, uh, we'll put a link to the study. You know, print it up and show that study to your legislator that the vaccine they are mandating or thinking about mandating. Number one, the disease is mutating. The vaccine is helping to trigger that mutation, according right. to theories. And now it's going to actually make things worse for you the rest of your life. You want to mandate that as a legislator? And it does say in the same article, under California law, children must receive all of their doses of whooping cough vaccine right. to be allowed to attend school. Right. And again, this pertussis is the most amount of doses of any vaccine that you will need to attend school. You're going to have to have six yes. doses of this by the yeah. time that you're 12. So this is the most frequent vaccine that you would get. And it's so frequent because because it doesn't work very well, and yet they're mandating and, and removing exemptions for this, you would need all six doses of something that doesn't work in order to just have your right to, to get an education. I mean, I like, outside of the fact that this new study is showing, you know, it, it inhibits your immune protection from this later in life, outside of that, we just know that the coverage has never been good for this acellular vaccine. And I want to clarify that in this LA Times article, they say, they mention how DTP was the original vaccine that changed out in 1997. But they say the reason it was changed is because children were getting fevers. That's exactly, <laughs> that's all they said. Yes, yeah. And we know that is not true. And I, and I wrote that in my post. The reason they changed it was because of brain damage, like right. actual brain damage. We're not talking about, oh, they got a little red at the sore, you know, soreness at the injection site and yeah. a little bit of a fever. This was much more serious than that. And, and you know, when it comes down to, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, when you reformulate things and, and have to, you know, completely create something new or adjust what you have, nobody is going to be doing that for nothing. And, you know, um, recently, um, Robert Kennedy Jr. was talking in Connecticut, and he was talking about the hepatitis B vaccine. And it was so interesting because it used to have thimerosal. And that was in 2001. 
And then there was a study that showed out of 400,000 kids, you had an 11.3 times relative risk increase if you had the hepatitis B vaccine with thimerosal in the first 60 days of life. Increase for, for, of what? Sorry, for a, an autism diagnosis. Okay, right. Yeah. So do you remember what else happened in 2001? That's when they started taking out thimerosal right, in vaccines. Right. But they didn't do it because thimerosal is dangerous. They only did it because they right. were hearing a few parents were upset. And we know <laughs> yeah. they would never reformulate yeah. something and change their entire schedule unless they knew. They knew exactly what kind of damage was being done. Right. Well, there's there's you know, two things I, w- I want to say about that. And I don't know, maybe we just change this. <laughs> we just change this current episode events. to turn this to, yeah, to a, a, a whooping cough up, update episode. But two things are very, uh, very interesting. Um, and I forgot one of them. So I'll tell you the second <laughs> one and we'll come back. We'll come back. So um, people always hear about the old whole cell vaccine causing lots of brain damage. And so they took it off the market and changed with acellular. Well, the medical community has now backpedaled and said none of that really happened. Oh, They're literally saying none of that uh, brain damage ever happened to all these babies because what they did is they're blaming it on a genetic disorder called Dravet syndrome or Dravet syndrome. I don't know if it's French or not, but D-R-A-V-E-T. Basically what's happened is some researchers found some of the case files of some of these vaccine injured kids. And they found that on genetic evaluations, these kids had Dravet syndrome. And Dravet syndrome is something where you, you were born and you, you seem like maybe you're, you're fairly healthy. And then sometime during your infancy, you develop severe seizures, brain degeneration, you become very, very sick and, and, and developmentally disabled. And, and this happens to like, I guess, I guess every child who has Dravet syndrome. And so what they found is they found um, a few dozen of those, you know, thousands of people who had brain damage from the old whole cell pertussis vaccine. They found a few dozen who had Dravet syndrome. And so then they did all kinds of fancy math and then played with a bunch of numbers and somehow extrapolated all, the, all this information to find that, hey, we are now going to claim that all the kids who had brain damage from the whole cell pertussis vaccine, they all had Trivet syndrome. All, you know, you know, tens of thousands of them or hundreds of thousands of them all had this genetic, so this super rare genetic disorder, and they all would have had brain damage anyway. So getting the whole cell pertussis vaccine just sped it up. It just made the brain damage happen uh, uh, earlier. And it would have happened anyway. So the whole cell pertussis vaccine probably was okay for everyone mm. as long as you didn't have Dravet syndrome. That's what they are literally saying But now. they said that that it arrives in infancy. How much earlier would the vaccine make you get it if you got it in infancy anyway? That doesn't make any sense. Like, cause you're t- you're right, I don't know. Well, you get brain damage at two months from the first dose instead months? of four months or oh, six months. Yeah. Yes. So it's total bull. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, the, the research is just, it's just totally bogus. I've, I've read the research, but the reason I bring this up is you, you know, the, the audience, if you are talking to a medical prof- professional, you, and you talk about whole cell vaccine, you might hear this come up. You might hear them now deny that that ever even happened because so-and-so doctor at some, you know, medical institution proved that they all had Dravet syndrome. So you can actually do some of this research on your own if you want to look at it and be ready to counter that argument that no, 
you know, the vast majority, 99 point something percent of these tens of thousands of kids did not have Dravet syndrome because you can't go back and do genetic analyses on all these kids because right. they're, they're long, you know, they're long gone. And, you know, one, th- one thing that I think we'll do a separate episode on that I really love and would totally encourage everyone to look at is there is an, a documentary in 1982 called DPT Vaccine Roulette, and it's on yes, YouTube. Yeah. You can find it. So it's kind yeah. of like a Dateline type of 45-minute thing, and it, it is literally the discussion of how DPT caused brain damage, and it shows many adult, you know, a, a high teenager and early adult age um, individuals that are compl- were completely damaged, brain damaged, and the parents that were talking out about how they were being silenced yeah, yeah. and how n- everybody's telling them it's not true. And I mean, this thing was happening in 1982. There's a, a member of the FDA talking on there. Yeah, the, Bar- Barbara Lowe Fisher is in there. Is, is she? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I it's Barbara Lowe with, uh, with uh, brown hair, you know, dark brown hair. It looks, I mean, uh, the first time you know, I saw this younger. blew my mind because yeah. I was thinking to myself, in fact, I think I like texted you a bunch of times like, oh my God, they just said this. Can you believe he just said this? Because this is like a couple years ago, because this story is just as true today for what's happening. And in 1982, they were aware of these things. And here we are 35 years later. And how many children or adults have been injured consistently because they refuse to tell the truth, because they refuse to acknowledge it's happening. It's better for them to cover up the fact that there is any potential risk, keep the lie going. And um, I was thinking, gosh, I was four years old at the time that documentary came out. And here it was, there were already 18-year-old, 17-year-old kids that had been brain damaged by this particular vaccine, and they were being told they were crazy. The parents were being told this is not true. The FDA representative is literally saying, if we told parents what was the side effects were, you would never get the vaccine. And he said those exact words on there. So look it up on YouTube. It's called, just, you can even uh, type in, I just looked DPT documentary. And then, you know, in the nineties, Katie Couric covered something that I shared on my Facebook that was also talking about DPT and brain damage and how all of these mothers and parents were coming together to meet because they felt completely ostracized and they were discarded. The doctors told them, there's no connection. Uh, nobody wanted to help them find a solution. And it's the same thing now. Hysterical mothers. Just hysterical mothers. And so totally check out this, this documentary because uh, there are so many examples here that verify DPT was ac- absolutely causing yes. brain damage. Right. And it wasn't just doing that in the United States. This was happening all over the world because in the UK, there was a, a big group of people that were having right. issues with the DPT vaccine. I was just well, what's, telling something. Well, what's, what's really sad um, is you might say, well, that's okay. That was, well, it's not okay. But you might say that doesn't apply to us now in the United States because we don't use that vaccine anymore. They're using the whole cell pertussis vaccine all over the Pacific Island nations. Um, a lot of the impoverished Pacific Island nations, uh, because, because of, they have problems with whooping cough there. They're now using this vaccine all over those islands. And then think of how many kids are, are being, being brain damaged. And I guess we can mention that study that someone actually studied one of the, and they're, they're using this in some of the African nations and then some of the, some of the Asian countries as well. Um, they actually studied, I forget which country it was, but, and this was recent research, a study, a study, a, a doctor went to that country and examined, you know, many, examined like the whole childhood population and found 
the kids who got the new whole cell pertussis vaccine were five times more likely to die in Africa right, mm-hmm. during their childhood compared to the kids who did not get the new whole cell pertussis vaccine. The whole cell pertussis vaccine was, was at a five-fold increase in mortality rates uh, during childhood. So we know that vaccine is doing something, and, and, but you think this is not going to apply to the U.S.? Um, guess again. It is going to apply because they, because they're having such a bad problem with whooping cough, they're going to, number one, either try to bring back mm-hmm. the whole cell vaccine mm-hmm. and try to give everybody like one dose. Like I bet they're going to try to give the, the 18-month-old and the five-year-olds like the whole cell booster. Maybe not the new babies, give the acellular to the young babies, but then give the whole cell booster to the 18-month and five-year-olds. They're going to try to bring that back. I, I bet you 20 bucks. Um but if they don't try to bring that back, this is what I, I forgot, you know, from five minutes ago. Um, uh, this all this uh, CDC research on genetics, and they're figuring out what is the new genetics and the mutated genetics of the whooping cough germs. What they're going to use that information for is to make new vaccines. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to try to tweak the current vaccine. They they have to totally remake an entire yeah. um, whooping cough vaccine. And what's scary is they're in a hurry. Mm. They're in a hurry to get it done, get it made, tested, fast-tracked, approved. And and what do you think is going to go wrong with that mm-hmm. process? Lack of safety studies. Yes, Lack I'm, of- I'm very concerned. And so – and. And um, <laughs> but listen to but listen to this yeah. though. So maybe what you're saying, if they do try to bring back a whole cell version, new whole cell version, maybe that is why there is a campaign to discredit the fact that the whole cell version ever caused exactly. problems in the past. Exactly. So maybe that narrative of the whole cell DPT is dangerous. Now there's a PR campaign to attack that idea, right. so that we want to make that seem like that's actually not true. They just had a genetic condition, so so don't worry. Maybe all of that again is a foundation. Yes. Lay the foundation yeah. for the public to shift their opinion on something. They don't feel afraid of it. And oh, hey guys, guess what? We just happened to invent and create yes. this new whole yeah. cell version. And we're going to start giving that to your kids and it's going to be mandatory for your school entry. But remember all those debunked theories of yeah. the fact that it caused brain damage. It's not really true. That was something, maybe that's all connected. Laying, again, the way that I've seen this work is it's just little by little. Every little thing adds on top of every little thing slowly and meticulously to shape public opinion on something. It's not just overnight. This stuff takes sometimes 10, 15 years. And if you step back and objectively look, you can go, oh, that's why they did that. Right. That's why they did that. And then all of a sudden the public's like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine with DTP. It's no, it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. The doctors, they said it's not, it wasn't dangerous after all. Yeah. And they're, plus they're using it in Fiji. So, you yeah. know, why can't we use it here? It's I totally mean, safe and exactly. effective. Yeah, well, you know, it's, what's funny is, uh, well, that was our intro to uh, today's episode. So we're going to actually have to make this an episode because that's already been like 40 minutes, okay. I think. So So that was so our- So thanks for joining us. I wait, know. wait, let's say before we stop, let's just say congratulations to the Vaccine Conversation podcast because oh, yeah. we went- over a hundred thousand downloads, you guys. Yes. We are over. We hit the hundred thousand mark, and are ten thousand over that by now. Maybe fifteen thousand over that by now. Um, we are on par to get fifty thousand downloads just this month, just for March. That is just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I love how we're growing. Like you know, there's there was you know November a little bit, then December. Every month, we're we're not quite doubling, but we're we're kind of getting close to doubling our downloads every single month. And I love looking back and seeing, um, you can see how many downloads of the first episode happened like just this month. 
and the second mm-hmm. episodes. You can kind of see there's actually more epi- more downloads of our first episode this month than there were when we started. Time. And, and I and, love how people go back. So they'll, yeah. they'll, somebody will share maybe a current episode or they'll tell them about the podcast. And I get a lot of um, health healthcare practitioners messaging me like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Um, I really love what you guys are doing. I recommend this podcast to all my patients. I recommend this podcast to my clients, whatever. And so usually when somebody gets recommended to it, they go back and listen to all of them. Yeah. And so it's really great to see that there's some value in everything that we've already done because it's creating a body of work that people can use. And a lot of times I'll be able to reference somebody, oh, I had a question about this. Oh, check out yeah. episode six. Check out episode <laughs> 10. It's yeah. nice that it's like a documented source of um, content mm-hmm. so that we have it all in one place. But yeah. 100,000, that's pretty cool. So yeah. we can just celebrate that one a little bit. Yeah, so thanks, you guys. That's Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, and um, Oh, and you know what? Can I say something? <laughs> no. Can I say something? Will you allow me to speak, Dr. Bob? <laughs> yeah, the audience Hello. is like, no, don't end the episode yet. No, keep talking. No, please. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait three more days. Only if you do it in your, your, your Southern England accent. Oh, God. Uh, uh, so, which episode was that, by the way? I, thought, I don't know. That was, uh, I just listened to that. You did? So. Oh, my God. Is anybody, did anybody else No, that's in today's funny? episode. Oh, it is? <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Does that, please tell me if anybody no, thought that no, was No, no, it was funny. in Meninger Cockle. That's in next oh, week's Oh, okay, episode. it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. All right, well, by the time this airs, it will already have aired. So, yeah. let me know if you thought that was funny. But what I was going to say is, um, again, we, this is, you know, we are... Uh, creators of Immunity Education Group, which is a nonprofit. So we do not get paid for this at all. But I am going to do my first plug for donations because, um, one, (laughs) I have to pay my babysitter. (laughs) And she watches my kids on these days when I come to podcast. And that comes out of our donations um, because we don't get paid for it. But the cost of that, the cost of our sound engineer, there, there are some things that we pay. And I get so many messages about like, how can we help? What can we do? And there's really nothing that goes to us, but it would be awesome if you feel like you have gained value from this, if you feel like you want us to continue doing it. I would love that you guys could cover my babysitter costs to come do this. We can cover the sound engineer and we can allow for more things and we can allow for maybe renting a space to do an evening um, in Orange County that's a live podcast uh, experience. And so that'll give us a little bit of that time because we don't have anything. This is literally just us. And so, you know, I hate when people always advertise themselves or ask for donations. I'm really against that. But I will say, if you feel inspired or you feel moved to do so because you've really enjoyed you know, the 30 episodes we've done so far and, and you really want us to keep doing this, I would personally really love that because I know that we do have administration costs that come out and at some point, it's, there's not going to be anything left in there. And so we want to <laughs> just be able to keep the option open. We want to keep creating content for you. And so this is my first and... Probably not my last, but it'll be a while again yeah. before I say this. Um, there's a donate button on IEG's website, so immunityed.org. Um, if you feel inclined to do so, we we appreciate you anyway. We appreciate the, the support and the listeners anyway, but that would be awesome to make things a little bit easier um, yeah. for us to continue doing this. So Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that... that, that- Keeps the books, keeps the finances. Well, I got to do the taxes soon. They're due, due in May. But, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, we, you know, we have we have a, a good amount of money in there right now. I'll say, like, you know, to to cover the costs of this for for quite a while. But you're right. Eventually, that, you know, that uh, that would run because out. Because I really want to do uh, a live. Yeah. 
yeah. a lot. And we're going to play, you know, it take, costs usually a couple yeah. hundred dollars to rent yeah. out a place for the evening to have a couple hours and we can have a big space that holds, you know, three, 400 people and we can have an event, a con- you know, a, yeah. like an actual event. And, and those are, we don't want to have to ask other people to donate their money and do that. stuff. you know, we, we would love to be able to cover those charges for our own events, but mm-hmm. it would be amazing if that came from yeah. donations. But it was, it was always very, I guess, very important to me that, uh, that you and I basically, you know, our, our time is free. We donate our time. You and I have never, never, you know, personally accepted any of our donated money. Not even a penny. Right, I not will. even a penny. So we have, you know, uh, you know, we even pay for our own Starbucks when we meet at Starbucks. <laughs> and, uh, and um, but yeah, you know, we do, we just have a little bit of cost, you know, the, the for the sound engineer, like you said, and, and uh and I and I, you know, I you know, well, plus sponsoring to pay, to pay for childcare for yeah. you know for babysitting because that's important. I, I didn't want this to cost us any money. I didn't want you'd have to like pay a babysitter to yeah. come and donate donate your time. So I was very you know very happy to to, to have you know the, the donated money cover that. But yeah, we we never want to take any of this donated money for our time or for our own. Well, we know, have sponsored posts too on use. Facebook that yeah. we like to do if they allow yeah, for I, that to happen. You know what? Happen. They're not going to let us sponsor really? Facebook posts anymore. No. I haven't tried. Did you try it? Let's try it. Let's try and see. We should try one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're signing off. Talk to you later. Love ya. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a geek. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.